All right. So we're wrapping up the benefit of doubt. So after today, we can be done with doubt, right? Amen. Thank you for laughing at that joke. Um, no, we welcome doubt. We know that'll continue. Hopefully this series, though, has helped you feel a little more comfortable in your doubt as you move forward, take steps through this journey of life alongside one another. And so, yeah, and today we're going we're gonna to talk about gritty faith. So dig, dig a little deep, um, try to get a little grit uh, and apply that to our, our spiritual journey with one another. But before we did that, I, I love analogies um, and kind of fleshing those out as they pertain to our spiritual journey. So I love the analogy of hiking a 14er um, as we think about the journey of faith with one another. I'm getting a thumbs up from John Siders. So, um, John, what is a 14er? That's okay. I'm going to give it to you right now as your dad comes up. Um, and I'm going to share briefly. A 14er is any mountain that is above 14,000 feet. Okay? So I, I don't have my slide going here, do I? Henry, are you back there? There we go. Okay. So this is the most recent 14er that I've hiked with a group of guys. We call ourselves the Fellowship of the 14ers. Also, uh, Flatlanders to 14ers, be on the lookout. That's my new apparel company as we embrace co-vocational uh, pastoral leadership here. Um, and so this was Mount Yale, 14,200, 199 feet, depending on which rock you stand on. Uh, just love hiking, just a, a smattering of guys. Each, each guy and their connection to this, this hike is so different and diverse. And what a shared experience. All the things wrapped into an eight-hour hike. It was just so awesome to summit that mountain. But one of these guys the day before, um, he, we uh, hiked, um, oh, my brain's going to, oh, Mount Massive. And uh, it was pretty tough and he was not able to summit. And so his smile is the biggest on this photo because he was able to summit with everyone. So it, it, just an amazing, amazing experience. And I would love to hike with each and every one of you uh, if you don't get altitude sickness and you're uh, physically able. But I wanted to bring up Pastor Josh, my brother Josh here, because he has grown in his love of hiking 14ers as well. And it's been a shared experience that we've developed even as we've merged uh, Tallgrass Church with the well and as we've become Mosaic Church. So here's a cool photo of him and John. And I, this, this isn't working. I think it's out. So I'll just cue you, Henry. And they just uh, summited Quandary Peak. So how amazing, how epic is that? Look at those smiles. Look at that delight to summit a mountain together. So I wanted to ask John. He, he was also missing school to do oh, that. Man, so I think right. that there's a little bit of that. In yeah. there. He wasn't missing it. You know what I mean? So Sometimes you have bigger fish to fry than going to school. I think, I think our mountain's taller than your guys' mountain. Bigger lessons to learn. Don't worry. I've, I've, I've hiked that one already. Um, so let me ask you a couple questions about your, sure. your experience. Sure. Did you guys have to prepare for this hike? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, you know, John was in football, so he had had a lot of, uh, uh, been very active, weightlifting, stuff like that. And for me, I had to, I had to start running a little bit more, uh, a lot bit more, um, lifting weights, focusing on, you know, some um, hit activities, stuff like that to improve cardio, cardiovascular um, ability. So what, what was your prep like for uh, nutrition and hydration? 
Um, so yeah, we I definitely um, had to think back to what last year and even even in August when we we did another uh, 14er about um, you know water consumption. You have, you have to really like there's no water fountains up on top of the mountain. I don't know if you know that, and uh, so you have to carry your water with you, and and that's very heavy. So you don't want to carry too much um, because you're just you know it's needless needless weight on your body carrying it up you know thousands of, of feet. Um, so you look ahead at, at, at uh, weather reports and, and how hot it's going to be, how cold it's going to be. Um, you have to prepare for like, you know, in uh, early October, uh, there, we hit a window of really good weather, but on either side of us the week before and the week after, there's quite a bit of dusting of snow. So we had to even be ready for like our, our uh, hoses to our, our water bladders to freeze and, and not, you know, deliver water. So you had to prepare for that. So there's a lot of that that you have to think through. And then, you know, you're exerting a lot of calories, so you have to actually pack snacks, which is actually one of the great reasons to hike a, a 14er. It's eating good food and cool new places. That's basically, like, one of the big reasons. So anyway, we're packing, like, little fun-sized uh, Snicker bars and, and Milky Ways and stuff because you're replenishing your caloric, you know, um, uh, deficit or, or what you're exerting so you have energy to make it at the top. Wow, you've got this is very detailed. This is great. You guys are all learning. Take notes, and we're ready to go. I, I didn't find out I was doing this till about twenty-five minutes ago. So yeah. this is I, I don't know. That's great. It's like too much information. That's, I don't know. No, this is great. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever happen to lose the trail on this particular? Not hike? this one. This one is pretty easy. Um, to is pretty well marked, and there were other people out that day. It wasn't too busy, but there were enough that you could go. Okay, there's people coming up that way, or there's people either you know they shouldn't be following me because I'm off track, or they actually do really know the trail, so I'm on I'm a, on a good track. Did you experience losing the trail at all, like Princeton or? Um, no, I think uh, so. I did I did a hike the day before this one at Grays and Tories, and I, I didn't lose it per se, but there's like you have to. Um, there's enough dusting that uh, of snow that um, you had to like really pay attention for the the trail splits because it's actually two peaks on this one hike, um, and so it forks. And to find my way back, I wanted to make sure I didn't like go down sooner than uh, like meeting back up with that fork. So there's a little bit of like looking at all trails, the app, and and plotting that out that way. Yeah, your trail finding must be good. Uh, Mount Massive, we lost the trail. Oh, and. Yeah. It, when you lose the trail uh, and you're really high in elevation and there's rocks all around, yeah. your body starts to freak out a little bit. Yeah. It gets very scary because yeah. there's nowhere to go. Yeah, and so I mean, your brain doesn't have as much oxygen yeah. either. There's a little bit of like, there can be some confusion with that. So yeah. you're frantically searching for a trail guide, someone who's on the trail. You're pulling yeah. up your app. You're trying yeah. to find a thing to, to get you back to it. You're looking for a cairn. Does everyone know what a cairn is? Pile of rocks that has been intentionally placed there. Yeah to show you the path forward, to indicate someone has done this before, this is the way to go. Yeah. This yeah. is the way to come back. There was one uh, uh, story for, for me, first time I tried to hike Yale, which we didn't summit because we hit um, ice at 13,500. 13, and on the way back, it was so much snow, we got completely lost, pulled up my app, mapped my fitness, and I had paused it at the highest point we were at and so I did not know where to go. I pushed resume, and it drew a red line to where we were, and we were able to weasel our way yeah. back yeah. to the trail. Without that, I don't know what we would have done. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty scary. Yeah. So did you and uh, John face any difficulty, trouble breathing, any challenges yeah. along the way? There's definitely, you know, uh, trouble breathing, I think, was the one thing. I think we were both in, in good enough shape. Um, 
to uh, where the physical activity wasn't really daunting, but it was, it was just winded most of the time when you're because your muscles, you know, to to step up, you're active, you're engaging a lot of your different muscle groups. Your leg muscles are big, you know, big muscle muscle chain, and so those take lots of oxygen. So when you're taking big steps, your muscles need more oxygen. You're breathing harder, and there's not as much there to breathe. So it's a lot of like small steps along the way to keep going because you don't want to like stay still the whole time because your six-hour hike could turn into an eight-hour hike very, very quickly. And then you're facing weather and the sun going down and stuff like that. So it's really like a little step at a time, a half step. It's kind of like some of these to the side, like up like this instead of engaging your big quads and, and glutes and stuff like that. So it's just little things like that that help you keep going and uh, like withstand the kind of discouragement of like, Man, I thought I'd be a lot further up by now, or I thought I'd be a lot. I thought I'd be coming down. You know, when you're in Colorado, this is what people do for fun. So there's like little kids bouncing from rocks to rocks, and I'm like, okay, okay I'll you know, <laughs> be up there in a second. You know, so you're you're trying to overcome like some mental adversity of like feeling bad about being 44 and on a mountain and like regretting your life choice at the moment. So well, that was my next question. Yeah. Did you ever feel like, man, I I might not be able to do this? Maybe turn around yeah. on any of your hikes. Regret your life choices. Why, <laughs> why in the world hike a fourteen? Well, I, yeah. I think there there were some. So I'll, I'll tell you this: there, uh, my therapist was the one actually encouraged me to book this trip, and uh, because there had just been some things I'd been working through, and back in August, she's like, "I just think you need a trip to look forward to. Do you have anything like that?" And so I told Sarah, my wife, um, "I think we need to go back to Colorado." And she's like, "All right, let's book it." So she wasn't, you know, too too hard to convince. Um, but when I was, was, when I was hiking, there was a lot of stuff that I was processing mentally and it got to where I was, I was several miles into the hike on Monday, looking up the mountain going, I just, I kind of want to go home. Like I, I'm stuck here because I still have to hike back. If I turn around, I'm close enough. I can see these peaks. I see the, the trail right before me. I'm, so I, I really want to keep going, but I don't like I'm having, it's not a mental breakdown, but like what I'm processing is really overwhelming to me. And why did I do this to myself? And I, I just think God set me up in that way to like, he knew I'd be alone on a mountain, you know, miles away from the parking lot. And so I did want to keep going. I didn't want to keep going in the current condition that I was, but I really felt like the grace of God. And, and I think just my personal tenacity was like, okay, I'm, this is why I plan this trip. I'm going to do this mountain. I'm going to take some stupid pictures and post them on Instagram. And it's going to be glorious when I'm back in my, in the parking lot drinking my electrolytes. It's going to be wonderful. So anyway. it is a glorious feeling. Yeah. Was it beautiful at the top? It was absolutely was. So again, this is, this is the, the, you know, one of the three peaks that I hiked. This is just beautiful dusting of snow the week before highlighting all the crevices and things like that on the mountain range behind us. This doesn't do any justice to what it actually looks like um, on top of the mountain. So absolutely, it felt, it felt wonderful. It felt wonderful to have John up there to celebrate with and high five. He took a little nap, and he was so, like, just, just you know, uh, spent. He's like, I just need, like, a 10 or 15-minute nap. So he laid down on some rocks, took a nap. People were coming up, snapping pictures, heading back down. John's like passed out so it's just just those stories of like having these moments together and and you know being being alone in conversation for six eight hours Mm -hmm. like i wouldn't trade it for anything was it beautiful on the way the journey absolutely yeah absolutely it was it was hard it was unlike kansas in every way 
And it was, it was so beautiful. Yeah. And needless to ask, but did you experience connection? Yeah. God, yeah. others, I, I feel like, so metaphorically, on the first day I was hiking two mountains. So I, I literally, you know, we've, I've talked about the two mountain, the first mountain, second mountain, second half of life. So metaphorically, I'm going up this first mountain, you know, feeling like really down about what was going on and what I was processing and thinking about. But really by the time I, I got to the summit, headed back down to the second mountain, the second mountain is you don't go all the way down. You kind of hit this little valley and up. So it's like 500 feet elevation, not, not really a huge deal. Um, I felt reintegrated in God. Um, I, I still, you know, hearing his voice and feeling his presence is still really something I'm, I'm trying to press into and, and be patient for um, in the season that I'm in. But I really did feel more integrated in myself, in God, um, as, as I did that. Um, and then with, with John, absolutely, the connection I felt with him is just like I wouldn't trade for anything. And he, in fact, said, hey, every time can we come, go to Colorado, can we hike a 14er? I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, like outside, no screens, conversation one-on-one for eight hours, like sign me up. That's, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, Minus all the windedness stuff. But, you know, when we can talk, we'll talk. So. Absolutely. Thanks. So 50-plus more left. So you guys got plenty of work cut yeah, out for you. that's it. 50 more. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for sharing some Absolutely. of your experience. Give it up for yeah. Pastor Josh, Brother Josh. Um, as I was thinking about this analogy, and, um, of course, I love to hike as well. And if you follow me on the Instagram or the, the book face, the Facebook, if you will, um, you get to know that about me. Uh, but even this morning, as I, I was thinking about having Josh share, um, just emotion welling up within me, you know, tears coming to my eyes. And I was thinking, why, why am I so emotional thinking about the journey of hiking a 14er? You know, is it, is it because of the analogy for faith? Our journey of faith is so rich. You know, is it because of the connection between Josh and John that I observe and know is very special and I love to have that connection with my own kids. And Kate recently came up to me and initiated and said, Hey, Dad, I want to go hike a 14er with you. And I was like, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> and Maddox was like, he thought you would never ask. And it was, Maddox is my fifth grader. Kate's my freshman. And looking forward to that, maybe te- tearing up. My own memories of hiking with others. Each person who attempts a 14er, and you know what? Even if you don't summit, I've hiked a couple times, a few times where I've not summited for weather, fatigue, all sorts of things. It's still worth that journey, right? It's still amazing. The memories are still there. Each person has something else, something that they're dealing with or some reason that they're out there, which is one of the reasons it's such, such a shared experience. When you run into someone on that trail, you know it's not just a normal walk in the park. Like something is going on in their life compelling them to experience something that is hard, something that is difficult, a journey. I thought about my emotion. Maybe it was because the mountains are always calling and we must go. And I I want to to experience that more. Probably all of the above. But I want to invite us to, to consider our own journey of faith and the race that we're on together. So in Hebrews 12, this will be our key passage, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, and you can pull that up there. In NIV translation, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
or in this case, maybe throw on a pack where we're ready, proper nutrition, hydration, clothing. The basic idea is let us prepare and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me pray for us one more time. Father, I pray for Mosaic Church. I pray for all who are gathered here and online and that are in our spheres of influence, that you would help give us that gritty faith that could keep eyes focused on Jesus and keep one another in our periphery, those who are to our left and right, before us, behind us, to continue to to run that race marked out for us, to continue that hike that you've called us to for the joy set before us. No matter what kind of hardship, setbacks, all those things that we face, we would just keep going, keep taking steps. We thank you that we get to hear the well done, my good and faithful servant, because of Christ, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. So you can put that passage back up there. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. So here, this, this uh, idea of race. So running a race. The, the Greek word, which is the original language, is agon. Uh, there's a, another Greek word related called agonizomai. Does anyone hear a word that we use in that agon? Agony. I just gave it away. <laughs> so this race is not a, not a walk in the park. This is an agonizing, grueling uh, there's even an athletic component to this idea of uh, contest. So in the ancient world, athletic contests could be so severe that they caused the toughest men to crumble. Um, and that's the word that, that the author of Hebrews has chosen to use here. Agon, the race, the grueling match, the grueling struggle. And so I have good news for us today, but this is also sort of difficult news. If we were expecting that walking with Jesus is just a cakewalk. It's going to be easy. It's going to be pretty much smooth sailing with a few turbulent moments here and there. I'm sorry to inform you that it is not. It is an agonizing journey. It is difficult. And I think expectations that we bring to, to, to our, our lives is going to sh- shape, you know, how we feel about it. So we need to know that life is turbulent, challenging, difficult, maybe with a few smooth parts along the way. You'd stop to take in the beautiful aspens changing or the wildflowers in the meadow or at the very top. But for the most part, the race or the climb, the hike, it's it's pretty grueling. So when we are hit with challenges, it's to be expected and it's okay. It's normal. It's part of the experience. So we're to run this race. Um, so I have a slide for us. You know, we, we, um, we like to put on our walls these picturesque, beautiful images. You can go to that next slide, I believe. Right, like as a deer pants, and it's a beautiful picture of a deer. Or I know the plans I have for you. Cube, you know, teacup with candlelight or something. We should probably start, if we're going to put stuff on our walls, put stuff that's a little more accurate. So this, this is probably from a Tough Mudder or some grueling race that's probably a little closer to what the Christian journey is really like. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. This is going to be tough. Uh, next slide, we got our, our, uh, 
our famous friend here, Tyson, famously said, everyone has a plan. Like you come to faith, you have a plan. You know, we've talked about the critical journey that I believe the ethical stage where you're, you're reading the books, going to the conferences, hearing the things, you know, maybe you're, you're single, so you're able to dodge relationships a little bit. Although there's challenging relationships even as a single person. But let me tell you, when I got married, punched in the face. No, you, I, okay, you see what I'm saying? Every, all right, I got to walk out of this one now. Everyone has a plan, right? Until you get punched in the mouth, punched in the face. Uh, something hard comes along. So, um, guys, you know what it is. You bring all your selfishness into marriage, and then all of a sudden, the honeymoon phase uh, fades, and there it is. This is hard. I'm going to have to work at this. I'm going to have to get a little gritty here. I'm going to have to rely on my vows that I took. They're there for a reason, for better or for worse, through thick or thin. Uh, for me, it's always the first 400 yards of a 14er. No matter how well I've prepared, I take a Diamox. It's an altitude med if I do a quick turnaround. doesn't matter. First 400 yards, you get punched in the gut. And then you're like, okay, this is going to be work. Why do I keep doing this? It's like, it is worth it. It is worth the beautiful views, the connection, all those things. So, yeah, this is the Christian life. We got to get a little bit gritty when we face our hardships, our doubts. We bring our baggage. It's okay. Others have faced it before us. We can go back to Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. I want to cue in on this word perseverance. So let us run. Not let us just run kind of whatever pace I, I want, wherever I'd like to be, um, feeling good. No, with perseverance. This Greek word, the original language is hypomone. Hypo, meaning under, and meno is the word where in John 15 where it talks about abiding in Christ. That is the word meno. So we are to abide under. So there's a trial, there's a tribulation, there's a testing, there's a a discipline, there's something. But we are to remain under that and to, to bear that weight, bear that burden. And not, it's not purposeless. There is a purpose. And we read about, ultimately, Christ, you know, he persevered. He remained under that strain. He had that grit under the cross because he saw the joy that was ahead of him. So um, he himself grew as a son under the Father's discipline and guidance, under bearing the weight of the stressors of life. And I've talked about the the gym analogy. I won't belabor that here since we're focused on hiking. But the way you grow and get stronger is time under tension. You put weight on yourself. You do a squat. You hold the squat. You come back up. You're basically tearing your muscles so that they can rebuild stronger. That is how we grow. That is the path to growth. Perseverance, time under tension, remaining under that trial and tribulation until it has its effect. Become more like Christ for the joy set before us. Um, You can go two slides forward. Romans 5. So Paul writing to the church in Rome, uh, the fledgling church of, of Jews, and there's Gentiles there too, so they got a lot of things to work out. And um, they, they had experienced trials and tribulations. You know, as American Christians, you know, it's easy for us to 
Um, you know, sometimes we say, hey, those are first world issues because I usually know what I'm going to eat next. You know, I don't fear for my safety typically. Like pretty comfortable lives. Uh, these, these Roman Christians, uh, they were you know, fearing for their lives. They were under strain, under stress. Not that we aren't, but to think about them receiving these words from Paul. He says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith. So there's the gospel. It's amazing. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there could be turmoil outside of us, but we can experience peace in, in our interior because of the gospel. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand as we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, listen to this. He says, we also glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. And if you read about Paul's life in the New Testament, he was very well acquainted with sufferings. He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, gives us that grit or that moxie if we stay in there. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And what else would we want in a world that's going to punch you in the mouth, right? Is hope for something better. Glimpses of beauty along the way, but our eyes are fixed on Christ and a hope for that which is still to come. So, uh, as we, as a church, we create space for people to bring their doubts, to bring their struggle, to bring their questions, we need to know it's expected that life will be difficult. And together, we can stay in there. We can stay under that strain, eyes fixed on Christ, and head towards character and hope. So our question for our application this morning is how do we hike these mountains together? And I'm not talking about the 58 14ers, although I would love to talk about that. How do we hike these mountains? How do we run our race, Mosaic Church and individuals, run our race with perseverance, with grit? Um, Josh just updated our website. So if you go to mosaicmhk.com, the first thing you'll see is this sentence, that we are a community for those asking hard questions, looking for deeper meaning, and those who feel like perhaps they've fallen through the cracks. So how do people that fit that description run this race linked up with perseverance? So I'm going to give us three words and brief thoughts on these words. And I've taken these from uh, Daniel Taylor, who I quoted the first sermon of this series in a book called The Myth of Certainty. So I say we need memory, community, and grit. Memory, community, and grit to hike these mountains together. We taught through Ephesians a while ago. And if you, if you read Ephesians 1 and 2, it, it's amazing. Amazing description of what God has done in Christ. Amazing description of who we are in Christ. Paul goes on for a whole chapter and a half before he gives the first exhortation or the first command or first charge and anyone remember what that first charge in ephesians is it's okay if not the first imperative while i take a drink 
No one remember. Okay. In Ephesians 2.11, he says, Therefore, remember. So all of this description, and then the first charge to the people of God is remember. Remember. Remember God's faithfulness in your life. But if you're new to the faith, or maybe you're on the fence or just now hearing about the gospel, you look to others and their stories. You hear their testimonies. You remember what God has done in their lives as well. Which in Hebrews 12, um, 1, our passage today, it starts out, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and he had just enumerated in chapter 11, person after person, man and woman of God, over and over again, who walked this journey of faith, ran the race, hiked the mountain. They were not perfect, and they were not yet perfected in Christ. But yet they they walked with perseverance, ran with perseverance. Remember. Don't have a short-term memory. Remember God's faithfulness. And in Hebrews 12, verse 3, the verse right after our key passage, consider or remember him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. Why remember him? So you will not grow weary and lose heart. Not just, you know, to have your pearly gate passage um, and spend eternity with him, but for the here and now, the race that we're on now, so you won't grow weary and lose heart. Um, You know, when you're hiking, man, you can get, you can lose heart if you don't see anyone in front of you. You lose the trail, but you also lose lose heart. But then when you see that person, okay, I can do it. I'm on the right path. Christ is the one. Just right, right a step ahead, calling you to remember his faithfulness. Second, community. So first, our memory, remembering God's faithfulness. Next, community. So in Daniel Taylor's book, The Myth of Certainty, a couple quotes I wanted to highlight that I think pertain particularly to us here and now. He says, living in community with Christians can be simultaneously a foundation for faith and a sore trial of that faith. Has anyone experienced that? Trying to do community with other professing Christians being a sore trial of your faith. My friends, I stand here as one of the pastors of our church saying, this is my biggest trial of faith right now living in community with other professing Christians. Not you all in particular, but church people in general. And there are a lot of particulars, (laughs) but not you all. Um, Man, it is, the, the church is amazing, but the church can hurt you. And we need one another But we also need to help one another heal so that we don't hurt one another. Um, His quote goes on a page later. He says, The supernatural potential of Christians laboring to establish the kingdom of God together is so great that the reality of life in the typical church is both depressing and comic by comparison. Like we have, if you read through Ephesians, it's like the church is this, Mystery that is like declaring the glory of God where it's trophies of grace to take the, the it's good news because the news is uh, grace is for everyone. All the Gentiles, all the nations, all the people, it's amazing. 
But then often our experience of church is, can be depressing, even comic by comparison. The church is easily ridiculed, he goes on, and in its institutional form deserves much of the abuse it receives. What is amazing, however, is not that the church suffers from every kind of failing common to human beings, but that simultaneously it is still the primary instrument of God's work on earth. Sometimes I question that. I'm like, are you sure the bride of Christ, the church, is the thing? That's what we're doing here? And Scripture assures us, yes, it's the bride of Christ. The church is through whom God is uh, speaking his message. How beautiful on the feet of those who bring good news. And so what we're trying to do here should not be a secret. We need, we need to fill these, these chairs with people who also need to run this race in community. A little good news from Daniel Taylor, and I think it's true um, in, in Galatians 6. He says, community is the place where the burden of doubt can be shared. And that's what a lot of this series is about, is putting words to, yes, we have doubts, it's okay. We can share the burden of one another's doubts. And he has a, a, a quote connected to this where he says, sometimes life's troubles may so overwhelm me that I cannot for a time sustain a belief in God's loving concern for me and my fellow creatures. Do you ever feel that way where you're like, yeah, I get that you love that person and you love the world, that's great, but I don't feel that you love me, God. And in my humanity, I may, like many of my biblical predecessors in the faith, despair or even rage against God. Praise God for the scriptures that enumerate person after person who struggled in their faith. And at that point, you must believe for me. Do not insist that I believe. We can't get each person and everyone who comes through the doors just to say the right thing and then move on. Do what you can to lighten, oh sorry, do not whip the mule that has collapsed under the burden. Do what you can to lighten the burden and wait patiently until I have regained my strength. We want to be that place. If, if people need to just stumble through the doors and collapse and, and try to experience the grace of the Father, and we can wait patiently with one another until you regain your strength, because someday I will need you to do the same for me. Amen. Yeah. Thomas is uh, doubting Thomas famously known as Doubting Thomas. When you read about him, it's interesting that he did not believe in the resurrection of the Lord. Remember that? He did not believe in the resurrection, but yet he kept faithful to the community of the apostles. He kept showing up. He kept showing up, even when he didn't believe in the resurrection. And Jesus met him in community and appeared to him and strengthened his faith. We pray that for one another. So we need memory, we need community, and last, what we've been talking about, grit, gritty faith. We need gritty faith. So um, in Hebrews 11, the, the chapter, the chapter it's called the Hall of Faith chapter, right before our key passage, there's this description of these people who were trying to walk with God, trying to run their race. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. How does that sound? How does that feel? It's like, God always keeps his promises. Yes, but not in your timing. It's a whole list of people who they had hope 
that hope was never fulfilled while they breathed this air. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And we, like them, are also sojourners on this earth. Foreigners, exiles, strangers, aliens, choose your word. This is not our eternal home. Again, glimpses of beauty along the way. Dominant performances by the wildcats periodically. That's fun. That's awesome. Good food. I mean, Josh mentioned, yeah, the best thing about hiking a 14er is when you get down and go hit the pizza joint. It's amazing. But ultimately, we are sojourners. We are refugees. We are just passing through. And life is challenging for those who are passing through a home that is not theirs or a a land that is not yet theirs. So keep persevering. Keep keep being gritty in your faith. Um, Abram, Father Abraham, the man of faith. In Genesis 12, there was a promise made to him God said, go from your country, your people and your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. So there was this promise of land. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be amazing. You'll be a blessing. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. He's got to be like, man, this is amazing. I can't wait till my birthday. This is, you know, I'm going to get celebrate this new land I get. Fast forward to Genesis 15. The Lord said to him, Abram, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated there. I'll punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, after 400 years, after Abram is long gone, then I'll fulfill that promise to you and to these people. So as an American Christian, we're so self-centered that I, I can't even fathom receiving a promise from God that is not fulfilled in my lifetime. Like I want it to happen yesterday. But here's a promise to the man of faith. The the premier example, second probably to Jesus. And the promise is not even fulfilled till centuries after he passes away. Talk about grit. Got to have some grit in your faith to keep going. Hebrews 12, back to our key passage and, and right after the passage of considering Jesus, it says, In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Some people have, some Christians over the years, but these Hebrew believers had not, I don't think us in this room have either, um, resisted the point of shedding blood. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And it goes on in in verse 5. And so this is a word of encouragement. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. This is right after that exhortation. Run that race with perseverance. Hike with grit. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. Not that God is causing all the bad things to happen to you, but when something bad happens, 
what do you do? You turn it into a teachable moment. This is life. It's time to learn. God is treating you as children, his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Of course, a lot of us have had negative experiences from our fathers, but I think we understand God's heart isn't that we would just remain in infancy, but that we would grow through the challenges of life. And the passage goes on in verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Duh. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So God's heart is that discipline would produce that character and that you would be healed. So I'll invite the worship team to come up as we think about just putting this into practice. So this series on doubt, I encourage you, keep going. Keep showing up. Keep taking steps. And if you need others to help bear that burden of weight or of doubt, look to your left and to your right, in front of you, behind you. Encourage someone else who's struggling. Be encouraged by someone else who's, who's moving forward one foot in front of the other, and keep going. So as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, we're going to sing Run to the Father. We've sung it a few times recently. And I encourage you as you uh, come to the, the table, if you've put your faith in Christ, you're welcome here. We have open communion. And if you've not yet put your faith in Christ, this is the time for you to listen for his voice, respond to the good news of the gospel. But take this time just to think about where you're at in your spiritual journey. Maybe where you're at through this series or just even this morning. Are you ready to run to the Father? Maybe limp towards the Father? Or maybe you're just where you need to collapse into His grace, fall into His grace as this chorus will sing. So we invite you to come as you're led. And thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for listening to the Mosaic Church podcast. For more teachings, resources, and other news, please visit mosaicmhk.com.